Welcome to the Gathering Place Church weekly podcast. We hope today's message ignites, equips, and challenges you to live out your Christian faith and to bring healing to a broken world. Jesus, it's a joy to be in your house, close to you, with your family, with your people today. God, give us divine wisdom, truth. Teach us to wait more patiently. I feel this in my spirit today that there's some of us here, maybe some of us watching or will listen and watch, that your lack of patience is killing you. It's killing your season. It's killing your family. It's killing your relationships. It's killing your work, your job. That there's a piece missing to your puzzle and the fruit of the spirit of patience is lacking. And if you don't bridle it, if you don't get it under control, it will kill something in your life. So Jesus, we today, we just lift our hands and receive the power, the presence, the person of the Holy Spirit. We choose to have a song of gratitude today, that that's the song Isaiah 40 If you don't have a song, this is your song. God, I speak to that lion that's been muzzled, that's been muted out of a famine, out of a bad financial situation, out of a broken marriage, out of a bad relationship, out of bad news about your child today. God, allow that that place, allow that space that's been robbed, hurt, Let it be rejuvenated today. God, allow your presence to touch it. Just as we said, when you get under the influence of the Holy Spirit, a super bloom can happen in your life. So God, we thank you today that the rain is coming, the rain is here, and allow these next few moments, allow something to come alive, something to unlock. Allow the power of patience to awaken something in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, you can be seated and thank you for being here today and um, believe you're gonna get something out of the sermon today. And, um, you know, focus on something that doesn't come naturally. You know, we don't, like to wait, we don't like to be patient. I was thinking of uh, really three words we all say pretty regularly. These three words are, I can't wait. I think it's all somewhere in our vocabulary when we look at a season, when we look at something that's in the horizon, something that's in the near future as we're talking about it, dreaming about it. We love to say, I can't wait for it. And I think without realizing it, or if we slow down and just think about it, um, it speaks to the culture we're all embedded in, is we wanna microwave our lives, we wanna get it quick, we wanna get it now. If we can't pay cash for it, we put it on credit. You know, all the, the things and maneuvers and finagling and things we do to get into our hands and into our possession at a much faster, quicker pace that may be outside of God's design and out of his his way of how he wants to provide it to us. 
But we say these words, I can't wait. I know recently it's, uh, I can't wait for some sleep when you got a new baby in the house. That's, that's my I can't wait. But all of us have an I can't wait for. Maybe it's a promotion. Maybe it's um, I can't wait to feel better. I can't wait to be healed. Um, I can't wait to, um, for my, my relationship. Maybe you're engaged. I can't wait to get married. Um, you know, we have some of our college students here. I can't wait for Christmas. I can't wait for that essay, for that paper to be over. Whatever it may be, um, we say it all the time. We, we can't wait. And for some of us, we literally live in the space of we literally cannot wait. And if we don't learn to wait, and better yet, to wait patiently, we can miss some of the, the best moments that God wants to, um, wants to give us or wants to lead us in. And um, I have three points I'm going to give us today that I feel the Holy Spirit is going gonna, is gonna to simply, practically encourage you in today um, to help you wait and to wait patiently and to wait better. We had our, um, our ZCA preschool Christmas play this past week where we had our whole preschool, two shows. They came up on stage here and they did their songs and uh, Nadia is here and she's our three-year-old teacher and Miss Brooke is here, our four-year-old teacher and Miss Carol's not here today. Um, but they did such an amazing job uh, getting all our preschoolers ready. There's a few pictures of them. They were dancing and jumping. Crew did awesome. Um, just so many good uh, memories of families. I, I always look back. I remember because, you know, I was at ZCA here, and before you could pump an iPhone in the air, you had to pull out the big BHS camcorder, and you had parents lined up on side of the walls with their, uh, their shoulder video cassette recorders and um, how times have changed. There's nothing worse when you sit behind someone who brings an iPad and you just got this huge screen in front of you. Thankfully, there was no iPads. Um, but I also, in this realm of just preschool, 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 um, I came across this study, and it was done as I was preparing for this. Uh, it was a Stanford study done in 1971 known as the Marshmallow Effect. And um, I think this could be something good to do with our preschoolers to teach them this big lesson that the marshmallow effect teaches of delayed gratification. And the marshmallow effect, it, it works like this, is they bring um, individual students into a room and a teacher will come in and there'll be a plate on their table and they'll place a marshmallow in front of them. And the teacher will say, um, now here's, here's the guidelines and here's the rules. And again, these are preschoolers. You can go on YouTube and watch it. It's pretty awesome. Um, but... Um, if you get anything out of today, you're going to remember the marshmallow effect. But they take this marshmallow, and they put it in front of them, and they, they say, um, now, you can eat the marshmallow now, but I'm going to go away for 10 minutes, and if uh, when I come back and you haven't eaten it, I'm going to bring you another marshmallow. Or even better, I'll bring you a cookie, and you can have the original marshmallow and a second marshmallow. But you can't eat it for 10 minutes. So the teacher walks away, and they have a hidden camera. And you just see the drama of these preschoolers trying to have some self-control to not eat the marshmallow. Some of these preschoolers, you literally see them pick it up. They, they'll lick it, and they're, you can tell in their eyes, I'm not eating it, but I can taste it. Um, you'll even see another one. They'll take the plate, and they'll put it on top of it to kind of hide the marshmallow because some of us know if I, if I don't see it, then maybe that'll help. 
Other ones, they were keeping it up around their nose. They were smelling it. Um, the kids who did eat it, they would kind of gnaw on it at first. And, you know, once that taste was in their mouth, then it was kind of game over from then. Um, but it was really cool to see the kids that didn't eat it. Um, when the teacher came back in, she had a, you know, a little bag and pulled out, uh, gave them a, a cookie and then uh, another one, they gave them another marshmallow and the kids immediately put both marshmallows in their mouth because, you know, those 10 minutes to a preschooler is like three days waiting to do what they've been, been asked to do. Um, but it really puts a picture to the human experience of we struggle to wait, even at a young age. Now, in these results, the results were inconclusive. At, you know, they were trying to find as a kid who can wait for that second marshmallow, will they grow up to be adult, an adult that can practice some delayed gratification? Um, but the results were inconclusive, but it, it paints a picture to how we are in the human experience. We don't like to wait. And when we do wait, it's, it's a war going on inside of us to get this principle and get this fruit activated. You know, as we are in this season of Advent, and actually in the fourth Sunday of Advent now, there's, there's three comings of Jesus. We have his first in the flesh. And then we have his second coming, which is a, really a personal coming of Jesus, where in the space of grace, in the hour of today, we say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. So he comes into your life. That can be a coming. And then you have the third coming, where he comes in glory to judge the living and to judge the dead. When Jesus comes again, it, it, is, it is second coming. It's tough when you say there is a second coming, but then there's another second coming. We won't get into all that today. I won't get you into the details, but um, really in the life of a Christian, we are always waiting. And if, if something is a hallmark of what defines our faith, which is waiting and patience, I think it would be wisdom and it would be of, of value, premium, and importance to learn how to wait well, to learn how to wait well. When you look at your life, maybe decisions, choices you've made, sometimes you've got into a bad decision or made a bad decision or rushed into something, and the thing that you wish you could go back and change, you would probably say, even in an investment, you would say, I wish I would have waited a little longer. I wish I would have studied maybe a little more. I wish I would have been more patient. So we've got to get this in our spirit. And last week we touched on it when we saw the power of who our God is. And in James 5, 7, it talked about the farmer and how if the farmer will wait for the harvest, you can't control the weather, you can't manipulate things that are out of your control. You've got to wait and you've got to wait patiently for things that you can't control, things you can't be involved in. Romans eight twenty three says this, and this speaks to the life of a Christian, the life of us as believers. And it, it speaks of that there's gonna always be this waiting. It says, and we believers also groan. So there's this groaning inside of us that we know it's not complete yet, it's not full yet. It says, even though we have the Holy Spirit, so it's like, okay, you're spirit-filled, you have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of a future glory. It's almost as though it's being filled with the Spirit. It has a, a counteractive effect to where it then puts us where we're now waiting for the fulfillment of the age to come. So it says it puts this foretaste, it it's, puts this teaser within us. You ever seen a, um, uh, what do you call it, a preview to a, a movie you couldn't wait to see? 
and they give you little foretastes of what the movie's gonna be and it now gets you thinking, I can't wait to see you know, this movie because I've seen this, this preview. So it, it's saying that there is this foretaste of when you follow Jesus, you're filled with his spirit. And it says that this foretaste, this groaning is for this purpose, that we're longing for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God gives us our full rights as his adopted children. So you're like a child who can't wait to be fully adopted. So it's giving this picture of like a child anticipating, maybe a child in foster care, maybe a child who um, has been, can't wait to be adopted, that there's this longing to be together and to have a family. And it, it gives specifics in context that it's our new resurrected bodies that he's promised us. So Romans even speaks to this, Paul speaks to this. The Webster definition of patience is this, it's the capacity to accept or tolerate delay. Anybody use a little more capacity in your, accept some or tolerate some delay, accept or tolerate some trouble, some suffering without getting angry or upset. So it's capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble or suffering without getting angry or upset. So patience is dealing with, okay, here's where I'm waiting for the solution. But then it's also saying, I'm gonna have a mindset that's not gonna get angry and frustrated because it's not moving as quickly as I want it to be. It's, it's not rushing things. It's not trying to make something happen. Three points I wanna give you today, encourage you with is number one, in being patient, is you've gotta be patient first and foremost with the Lord. You've gotta be patient with him. You've gotta trust his timing. You've gotta trust his ways. Uh, and you've gotta know that he sees the big picture. He sees what's happening behind the scenes, what's going on in, in, in your family. He sees what uh, you can't see and he knows what you don't know. His thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are not our ways, thank God. You know, I was thinking of an Old Testament character, Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel gets this vision. And he gets this vision and it, and it, it so startles him. It's a vision of a coming war. And when he gets this vision, he goes into a three-week fast, and he, he fasts food, and he fasts anything of, of taste and of flavor, and he begins to repent, and he begins to pray and seek God that I've, I've gotten this, this dire future that I see, and, and now I'm, I'm turning to you to get wisdom, to get understanding, to get knowledge. So he sees suffering is coming on the horizon. And in Daniel chapter 10, you you see his, his, um, his, his vulnerability, him pouring out his heart of, of what he's learning inside of this three-week fast and, and how he is growing through it. And he gets to the end of the fast and he doesn't, it doesn't really say, God, where are you? I haven't heard you speak. But look what it says here when he gets to the end. An angel appears and, and wisdom revelation comes. It says, don't be afraid, Daniel, the angel speaking here, since the first day you began to pray, doesn't say 10th day, doesn't say the 21st day, like you got through this fast, now here's the revelation. He's encouraging me say, no, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and you humbled yourself before your God, your request was already heard in heaven. And it's, I've already come to answer your prayer. See, I think many times we think we gotta get to the end for the prayer to be heard. 
when the prayer was heard up front, when the prayer was heard, when Daniel turned his heart toward God in his distress, in his suffering, in his, in his, his place of seeking clarity of mind of what God was, was speaking to him. He goes on to say in verse 14 that he's come to make you understand what will happen to your people. See, there's something powerful when you pray, and it is the funnel to get wisdom and revelation from God and to hear what he wants to say in the season you're in. But like Daniel, he had to be patient. He didn't give up. He didn't throw in the towel in his fast. If there's anything that's any harder to be patient, try fasting three weeks, and you'll see how patient you can be because all your your uh, hunger, all of your appetites, everything begins to roar at you. So we need to be reminded today is you cannot rush God. You can get this in your spirit. You can't rush God. It can't happen. We've got to know this. And the beauty of it is, is you don't have to rush God because he's already there. Kind of our theme through this is God is closer than you think he is. So if he's closer than you think he is, why would you have to rush his pace? Why would you have to rush his timing? We've been in the book of Isaiah. And uh, if you understand how Isaiah is structured and set up, is the first half, half of Isaiah is known as the book of woes. And the second half of Isaiah is known as consolation. So you're hearing the woes, you're hearing about the desert, you're hearing about the pain, the suffering, the, the trial. But then it gets to Isaiah 35, which we read last week. And it's still in the book of woe. And he reminds his people that here is your God. We read it last week. He's come to save you. He's closer than you think. He says, be strong, fear not. Here is your God. He comes to save you. So God is closer than you think. And in your patience, you owe it to yourself and you owe it to the circumstance not to rush the process, not to get out of the boundaries of what you're being patient for and what you know you need to do. You've got to stay committed. You've got to stay focused because he's there. And this leads us into our second point. So we've got to be patient with God. And I think this is where we all struggle. The second point is you've got to be patient with the process. You've got to be patient with the process. Isaiah 2 verse 3 says this. It says, people from many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. What's going to happen there? He's going to teach us his ways and he will walk and how we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion as we'll go out from Jerusalem. We know when we are in process with God, when we take the trip to go up the mountain spiritually, is it's then when you're there, then he has to teach you some things. He's got to uh, reveal some things and he's got to form you in what he's wanting to do and how, again, patience, stretching your capacity to receive what, he wants to walk you into. So it's being patient in the process. And this is what I know about the process is that the process always prepares and the process always reveals. So if you're patient with the process, guess what's gonna happen? You're gonna get prepared. Somebody say amen. Thank God he prepares us in the process. And then he's going to reveal. And two types of reveals are gonna happen. He's gonna reveal who he is and then he's going to reveal who you are. And you're like, thank God I see who you are. But sometimes we, when we see who we are in the process, we're like, oh, thank God I didn't get that yet. Because if I walked in with that character or if I walked in with that lack of integrity, 
then I would have lost that which I was believing for or trusting God in because I wasn't prepared for it. So as you're patient in the process, there's gonna be a preparedness and there's gonna be a revealing. Look at the life of David. I think this is the perfect example. David in the house of Jesse, all of his brothers, when the prophet comes to anoint the next king, all of the, the, his, the strongest brothers are brought forward but there was one missing, David, who was small, young, and weak out in the field doing what his responsibilities were. The prophet calls him to come in, and guess who gets anointed king? The youngest known as, uh, we know as David. So David gets anointed as king, and when you go and you read the anointing of David, you see that he's not sent into a chariot and rushed into the palace to be prepared. But guess what happens? He's sent back out into the field to continue tending the sheep, continued to, to learn in, uh, in that process that, yes, he was anointed there, but he was not yet made king. And if I can speak into this, many of us, we feel God does something to us or anoints us for something, and we want to rush and take the phone versus what if God's saying, you still need to carry the chair? I've learned this the, the hard way. I've learned this in seasons of my life. is just because he anoints you in one season it usually means get ready because you're now going into a process to get prepared. You're now going into a process for some things in your life to get revealed. So do you really wanna be anointed if you say yes, okay, get ready for a process that's gonna strip you, get ready for a process that's gonna refine you and that's gonna make you ultimately more like Jesus. So this happens to David. He goes back out into the field. What happens in the field? You see in the life of David, he learns um, how to, to care for sheep. He learns how to um, fight off the lion and the bear. He learns how to, to become this tough and rough warrior. So he's learning how to be a warrior when he's anointed to be a king, but he's learning other skill sets that he's gonna be able to take into a position that um, wouldn't be common. What happens that uh, Saul begins to get a tormented spirit. Saul is the king of the time. Uh, they remember David. He was anointed to be king. So they get David. They bring him to Saul. And while he's in the field, he learns to play an instrument, the lyre. So he's learning this instrument. And literally, he would sit in the presence of Saul, and he would play uh, this music to, to calm his tormented spirit. Now, if I'm David sitting in the corner of the palace doing my job, staying in my lane, I'm watching all of the process. I'm watching all of the politics. I'm watching how Saul handles things. I'm watching and retaining and receiving and learning and interning and getting in my spirit of how things are ran. And I'm just sitting there playing. I have no responsibility. I can just play and do my lane but at the, and stay in my lane. But at the same time, I'm getting all this. This is how things work. So this refining is happening in David. He's anointed, but he's working behind the scenes. He's staying faithful. He's staying humble. He's waiting patiently, even though he's anointed, which I think is a, a lack of what we see when, when you get anointed, you're ready to rush in and, and do what you feel you got. So it prepares and reveals, and this is evident in the life of David. You even get into when Saul gets jealous, and the scripture says that David, or Saul kills his thousands, but David kills his tens of thousands. So there's this jealousy, and Saul begins to pursue David, and, and once David, his demise because Saul is jealous. And in this pursuit, even David, this is how cool these details are. 
is David gets into with this ragtag gang of guys who could never be led or never be shepherded, and he learns how to lead and to shepherd some of the toughest people uh, as he's being hunted by Saul. So if you don't think God can work in the process of your life, whatever it looks like, let's get a change of heart today and say, wherever I'm at, I'm in the process and God is doing something. I just need to open my eyes, have a little more gratitude and begin to wait patiently and get some joy stirred up and say, God is working in this even though I don't see it. Amen, Pastor Garrett. It's good stuff. Telling you. So you gotta be patient in the process. Here's some hope for you today. Where you are right now is not where you will always be. Where you are right now is not where you will always be. Where our church is right now is not where it will always be. You'll find out about that in in a few weeks. That there is this anticipation we can have, this hope we can have. But have vision, because here's the thing. Vision always pulls you. When you have a leader, parent, a boss, if they don't operate in vision, they're usually operating in manipulation to get you to do something. So when there's manipulation at work, it pushes you, but vision, it pulls you and it draws you in. And I wanna always be a church, a leader, and I pray we all do this in our respective spaces is that we work with vision, not manipulation. That we are pulled in together to what God is doing, not pushed into Uh, what something manipulated is trying to happen. And we see this happen all the time. Leaders who aren't Christians or Christians who are insecure. So we've got to do these things in the process. We've got to choose to enter in the process. You've got to choose to enter into it. Whether you like it or not, you're probably in it. And if you're in it and you don't like it, if you can today wake up to it, because when you wake up to it, then you can't be oblivious anymore. And when you're not oblivious, um, then you can really begin to learn the lessons that God is trying to teach you. C.S. Lewis, he talks about this. And um, in a comment he makes makes towards sin and temptation, he says that um, we don't know how strong the wind is until we stand against it. You don't know how strong the wind is until you stand against it. And saying you don't really know what's in you until you try to stand against something. So you don't really know how strong that storm is until you try to walk in the direction of the storm. And some of you, when you feel a little wind blow, you run or you, you recalibrate versus maybe God is saying, this is my positioning for the process you've been in. Now it's time to walk into that wind so that you can know how strong you are. So you can know how confident you are. So you can know that your God is with you in this storm. Don't let it blow you down. Don't let it blow you to the side. Walk confidently against it and see how strong you've become in the process that you've been in. You know, think of it this way, is you don't know the strength and strength or weakness of your heart until you have to make a decision to be faithful. When you make the decision is where you see what's in you come out. You don't know how reliable you are until you commit to be somewhere for somebody. You don't know how deep or shallow your love is until you have to show up every day and be with God, spend time with God, and you feel or hear nothing back from God. These are the things I'm talking about, the choices we have to make to stay patient, to wait for him, 
and not get sidetracked. So be patient, enter into it, and allow God to start this process. So we've got to be patient with the Lord. We've got to be patient with the process. And lastly, we've got to be patient with ourselves. I think this can be the hardest one. The process is hard, but if you really care, if you really have a heart, then being patient with yourself can be one of the most difficult things we do. Because usually we're, we're, our, we're our own worst critic. We know what's inside of us, and sometimes when it comes out, we don't want to address it. We don't want to face it. We don't want to deal with it. We've been around that mountain before. We've circled through that already. We see our failures. We see our weaknesses. We see our flaws. But the beauty of being patient with ourselves is God knows what that stuff is and what's in there. This is what I say about a church, is a church is full of imperfect people because we're all learning to be patient with ourselves with what the Holy Spirit is pricking and prodding with us right now. And when we have this moment here where we're just gonna allow God and the Holy Spirit to minister to us, it's in that point of where, you know what? God is not angry with me, God loves me. He knows what he is trying to bring to the surface of my life, so I'm gonna allow him to bring it out and to heal some things, to deal with some things. And in the context of a church community, God could be dealing with somebody over here and you're seeing those rough edges coming out. And are we going to judge that person because God's dealing with some rough edges or are we gonna surround them with love? Or are we gonna surround them with good, healthy Christian community and say, we wanna see you come to the next level here. Thank God he's dealing with you. And hey, here's how God is dealing with me. Let's get vulnerable, share our, our hearts, our testimonies of how God works and how God does. This is how we've got to be. We've got to be patient with ourselves. And I would add to it, we've got to be patient with each other. We've got to be patient with each other. Because if we're not patient with each other, we'll get angry, frustrated. Because we don't have the capacity. There's an early um, a book that was written in the 1600s called Practicing the Presence of God. And it was um, by an author, again, 1600s, Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection. Wouldn't you love that name? Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection. Um, but he wrote this book called Practicing of the Presence of God. And he, he speaks to this place of how to be patient with yourself. And uh, Corey, if you would help me close today, I want you to get this. And I believe this is gonna set some of us free that when we enter into God's presence, we don't go angry, frustrated, and stiff, but we go I'm gonna get freedom when I come to him. I'm gonna get love and grace and mercy that he's not wanting me to run from him, but run to him to get what I need in my time of help, in my time of need. So in practicing the presence of God, uh, there's a chapter where he speaks to his own journey as he's matured in Christ. And he speaks at this place that um, he felt like, he feels like he was failing in his relationship with God. And it wasn't because of sin, wasn't because he was falling to all of these temptations, but it, he felt that he wasn't moving fast enough. And I think a lot of us, we are in this place, we put ourselves in this place of, I've gotta be here, I've gotta get to this tier, I've gotta accomplish this by this age, I've gotta have all of, all of this together, and if I'm not moving fast on the fast track, if I don't have the fast pass, then I'm failing God. And God never intended to put fast on your life. Now, when God gets a hold of you and you work with him, then you're in pace with him. It might be fast, but it's not gonna have the toil of what it takes to get something fast. And we live in a world that wants to be billionaires by 35, that wants to accomplish all of this great wealth and all of this 
retire by 40, all of these things, and you do so much up front and you kill yourself in the process instead of saying, you know what, let me wait patiently. Let me let this thing play out where I don't get so far into the woods and I don't get so far into um, all of these things that were never intended because I think I have to move this fast or I have to compare myself with the person next to me or beside me or this influencer that has me now feeling discontent because they have XYZ and are age XYZ. And we get in this space and in this calamity and in this confusion that we're, God never intends us to be. And if today, if you can hear what this author has to say, he said, you know, I came to this place and he says this, he says, because God is here, so he's in, in, present here and he's present right now. He's present wherever you are. We know this. Because God is here, I'm going to stop expecting to grow faster than he wants. And then he goes on to say, I'm going to resolve not growing faster than grace would allow. So he's saying, I'm going to get in the pace of grace and grow there versus get on the fast track to what I think of how I'm supposed to grow, how I'm supposed to grow my family, my business, all of these things. I'm gonna position myself in this pace of grace and grow there because I know if I grow there, he won't add any sorrow with it. When I grow over here, a lot of the times it's in your own hands, it's in your own wisdom, not in the wisdom and in the pace that God has. St. Francis of Assels, he says this. He talks about when you're being patient with yourself, that there's gonna be these weeds that come up. He gives the analogy of a garden. So as you begin to grow in God, or maybe you're in a place of God's really maturing you because when he really matures you, he gets really refined and gets the smallest, he starts touching those small areas, those areas that you thought you dealt with, but he goes for it. He says, you've got to resolve two things when these weeds come up and being patient with yourself as you're growing, you're wrestling, you're moving forward in God. He says, number one, you don't be surprised. They're going to be there. Expect weeds in your field. So expect the weeds to be there when you're growing. Number two, he says, you've got to have courage to witness the removal. So don't close your eyes. Don't go hide in a hole and even lend a hand. So expect the weeds to be there. Have courage to witness God dealing with you in this place and even have the courage to lend a hand and partner with God in this refining process. Because here's the thing, when we bring them to Jesus, we leave with freedom every time. When we bring them to Jesus, we leave with freedom. And there's some of you, you're bringing them and depositing them and putting them in the wrong place. I've been there thinking that this would bring some freedom and you only add to the toil, you only add to the pain, you only add to the problem. But if you can unlock the power of patience, if you can be patience, patient with the Lord, you can be patient with your process and you can be patient with yourself, God is being patient with you. That's the common denominator is God is so patient with us. Why would we not be patient with him? Why would we not be patient with the process? And why would we not be patient with ourselves? Because he's being patient with us.
This is where the great exchange happens. This is where the deposit of grace for fast pace happens. I'm telling you, I've been there. I, God dealt with me greatly with some things on being patient this week. Um, and I look at the story of our church and as we head into this 40 year anniversary that you're gonna hear about, um, I think about the significance of 40. I think about wilderness getting into the promised land. I think about how God has worked and it's taken a lot of patience. It's taken um, just being present right where your feet are at, not where your head wants to be. Um, and so if you can understand that even when you think God isn't working, when you think he's not there, if you can just engage in some patience, get out of the fast lane and get into the pace of grace, it's like he opens up this whole world of where you see, wow, you're working there, you're working here, you're working back there with my kids, you're working in that relationship. And it all just starts to make sense. And so I wanna get you and I want you to be at that place of where you treasure the waiting as much as you do the destination and that you choose to enter in to this process because there's no such thing as a worthwhile destination without a meaningful journey. And there's no destination is not worth it without a difficult journey. You see, if you just got what you wanted all the time, you wouldn't respect, you wouldn't honor, you wouldn't be grateful for what was now given to you because you didn't work for it, you didn't earn it. You didn't walk with God in it. You didn't partner with God in it. And if you can understand today that this process that you're in of patience He's doing a work in you so when you get to the destination, it'll be all that greater. It'll be all that sweeter. It'll be all that more enjoyable. I mean, this is what we do with our kids. We change diapers and we stay up late and we discipline and we sacrifice and we pay and we do all the things not out of obligation but out of love because we want them to have the best. And the same as God with us. He's saying, if you can be patient in this process, I'm doing this because I want you to have my best. And it's when you get out of the process is when you essentially are saying, I'm trading God's best for that marshmallow now. Not waiting and getting that second marshmallow, but I want the marshmallow now. So if we can practice some delayed gratification, if we can be patient, if we can work with God, I believe you're going to get the freedom that you've been believing for and praying for. And he just wants to simply say today, be patient, treasure the process, that that which has not touched, that that which you have not touched with your hands is already in your possession. You just got to wait for that timing. You've got to wait for that process to go from red light, yellow light to green light. Again, this is how I would say it to my kids. God's saying red right now, but there's gonna come a time when it's yellow and then green, go. So know where you're at in red, yellow, and green and be content in it. Because when you have joy in the waiting, you're content in the waiting. Our entire lives is waiting. There's this groan that's happening. Engage with it, enter into it, wake up to it, and watch what your God will do.
you'd stand, I wanna pray. I want you just to allow the Holy Spirit to touch the parts of your life that you need to be patient in. Maybe it's your health today. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your anxiety. She said, if you can walk out of here with gratitude, you can leave anxiety right here and pick up gratitude and walk out. You know, we're entering into Christmas. Maybe there's family, there's tension, whatever. Uh, maybe something blew up over Thanksgiving. Now you got to deal with it at Christmas. I don't know what it is. But trust today that if you will pick up the fruit of the Spirit and wait patiently, that you're going to get joy infused in this process. You're going to be like Daniel, who was reminded at the end of the journey, I heard your prayer at the beginning. So let's learn from Daniel. God has already heard your prayer and answered it. Maybe he's answered your prayer. Know this about prayer. Maybe an answered prayer isn't what you wanted it to be answered, but it's how God wanted it to be answered. And it's resting in that providence. So let's learn from Daniel. Let's learn from David. Great, you're anointed. Now go back out in the field. Keep serving. Keep waiting patiently and allow the process to be refined. Joseph got this big dream, coat of many colors, favored, had to endure, endure the pit. Tony, it's all over the word of God. You've got to be patient in his time and his season. Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, we ask right now. And I ask that you would teach us to be patient tired of the enemy robbing from your people, that which we try to grip in our timing, that which we try to manipulate. God, maybe we gotta be patient in some areas that we, we can't even fathom. How can I be patient? I thought I've, I was being patient. I thought, I've, I thought I've been practicing this. Well, God, I ask that you would refresh you would renew and you would rejuvenate. We repent of our lack of patience, of our lack of our humanity where we took the marshmallow instead of waited. We're not gonna be hard on ourselves. We're gonna come to you right now and we're gonna say, Father, forgive me. Cleanse me, change me. Get me back in the game, get me back in the process as I continue to wait on you, as I continue to wait on the Lord, where I can mount up with wings like eagles. God, we wanna feel the wind of the Spirit under our sails again. Many of us have been oaring and rowing when he's saying, if you would just come to me, I'll send the wind and allow my wind to take the sails. Oh God, I can, I can sense it right now. You're blowing in your people's lives. I'm believing for miracles in bodies that are hurting and got bad doctor's reports. I'm believing for miracles where inflation has stolen things or job loss or job change. I'm believing for miracles. I'm believing for miracles in family 
where they're a past that maybe have been trying to walk out of and, and that past caught up with them again and is causing them pain and hurt. God, I'm believing and trusting you in your process today. Tell him if you can just surrender right now, he can bring joy in your waiting. Joy is your strength. If you don't have it, you're not gonna wait well. So Father, I thank you that joy is coming right now. Oh, Jesus, we love you. And we thank you as we wait on the Lord. You're gonna speak to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, the strong son of God, we pray. Everybody said, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray it encouraged, uplifted, and challenged you to become more like Christ. We would love to hear from you. You can email your prayer request to prayer at gpcky.com. Loving our podcast? Take a moment and like and subscribe on our YouTube channel to stay up to date with all of our new content. Thanks for listening.